We are meant to love. Absolutely and completely, it is what we are meant for. We are meant to love. It is our true nature and it is the hope that resides at the center of our faith. We are meant to love taking down the walls that divide us, ensuring that no one is left outside the circle, loving the hell out of this world, as Reverend Justin says so often. We are meant to love. Today I want to explore the image, the metaphor, if you will, of the river or of water as love. Now we know that water is a complicated metaphor and in case we had forgotten that, we have certainly been reminded over the past few weeks. Water has both the power to sustain and the power to destroy. It is powerful really beyond our imagining even. It can carve through rock over decades and generations. It can wash away human-made structures that we thought were immovable. It can end life and ensure life. Water is both complicated and complex. And today, I'm inviting us in to considering the metaphor of the river of water as love. Let me explain how I got here. I'm guessing that some of you probably follow the blog Momastery, written by Glennon Doyle. Last year, Glennon was responding to one of her readers, and the blog post went like this. The reader wrote in and said, Glennon, my mother couldn't love me well. I still wonder when I try to sleep at night, why couldn't she love me? What is wrong with me? And how will I ever know how to love my daughter? Love H. And Glennon responded, Beloved H, this is what I know. Love is a river and there are times when impe impediments stop the flow of love. Mental illnesses, addiction, shame, narcissism, these are boulders that can stop the flow. Sometimes there is a miracle. The boulder gets removed. Some people get to experience this removal miracle. Many don't. There is no rhyme or reason to this. No one earns it. Healing is not the reward for those who have loved the most. Love is love is love. When the boulder is removed, she writes, the water flows again. It's the way of the river. It's the way of love. We are the river. We are not the boulder. Your parent, your sister, your friend, she says, the one who hurt you, the one who couldn't love you. That person was impeded. That love was there, though. It couldn't get to you. It couldn't get to you, but it was still there. It was gathering power, swirling, festering, vicious in its desperation for release. It was there, it is there, all of it for you. That love exists. It just couldn't get past the boulder. You can trust me about this, she writes, because I have been an impeded river. The boulders of addiction and depression blocked my love and all my family felt was nothing from me. Nothing but pain and absence. And then she says, then I got the removal. My swirling water flowed again because I was always love. I was always the water, not the boulder. I am so sorry. You deserved to have the love of your parent delivered to you. You deserved to feel that love. You deserved to be soaked through to the bone with it every day and every night. So please listen to me, she says. 
The miracle of grace is that you can give what you have never gotten. The miracle of grace is that you can give what you have never gotten. You can. You do not get your power, she says. You do not get your water from your parents' river. You get it directly from God. Your river is strong. Let it flow. For now, she says, flow. You are the river. Flow unimpeded. This is what you're made for. Now, this writing has stuck with me, obviously. It's something that's rolled around in my head over this past year. And I believe so much of what she says. We are made to love. We are the river. We are not the boulder. We can love others in ways that we have never been loved ourselves. And we all deserve love, each and every one of us. There are boulders that can get in the way of that love. And Glennon names a few of them in her writing. Mental illness, addiction, shame, narcissism. These are a few of the boulders that can get in the way of the flow of love in our families and in our relationships. But there are also boulders that get in the way of the flow of love in our society and in our world. If justice is what love looks like in public, as Cornel West writes, then there are many boulders we know that are getting in the way of love and justice in our society. There are boulders like systemic racism and oppression. There are boulders like sexism and homophobia and ableism, all those ways that we separate one another, the way that we say that one group is better and more deserving than another. These are all the boulders in our society. Now there are some boulders that we do not have the power to remove. We cannot remove the boulders of addiction or illness for another person, no matter how hard we try. But there are some boulders, I believe, that absolutely are ours to remove. There are boulders of self-centeredness and fear that get in the way of us truly connecting and sharing of ourselves and sharing our resources with each other. There are the boulders of shame that may be there for us that keep us from loving ourselves and each other in all of the ways that we can. There are the boulders of racism and systemic oppression and outright lies that are told over and over. And each of these block the flow of justice and equality that our country claims to be founded upon, that our faith demands of us. There are all kinds of boulders that block the flow of love, both in our personal life and in our collective life. And some of these, we do have the power to remove. But I don't know if you've ever tried to move a boulder on your own. I've tried. I like to do frustrating things from time to time. I think maybe I can do it all myself. And the thing is, when you try to move a boulder on your own, it doesn't work all that well. You can push and push, and it simply won't move. Or maybe we can learn to walk around the boulder if we're able to, if that is something we're in a position to do. Maybe we just get used to it being there. But I think that really, when we dream, when we know how things should be, the boulder is not there impeding the flow of love. In our dreams, in our hearts, in our wondering about how the world really can be, that love is there for each of us. It's there in our personal relationships and it's there in the form of justice, too. We need one another to move those boulders. We simply can't do it all by ourselves, no matter how much we want to. 
The black theologian James Cone says that we come to church every Sunday to find out where we are in relation to the actualization of our dream. We come to church on Sundays, he says, to find out where we are in relation to the actualization of our dream. In short, he's saying we come to find out what is the distance, how far have we come between the world as it is and the world as we know it can be, as we long for it to be, to judge that distance, to see how we're moving between it. Now, anyone that is paying even the least bit of attention today knows that there is a large gap there between the world that we long for and the world as it is. This distance is large. We bear witness to it every time we hear hate speech or witness a hate crime occur and continue on unchecked. We know this distance when heartless immigration policies are enforced and families are torn apart. And we see the pain of the earth and its people as the storms rage, perhaps, I think, in part due to our, our part in climate change. We see this distance. We see this distance between the world we dream about and the world that is, We see it right now and we know there are boulders that are blocking the flow of love between us as individuals and between us and our collective dream as well. We carry this dream and this hope, this knowledge that we are in fact meant to love, to create a society of equality and justice. And we know there is a distance still to travel there. Here at this church, we invite each other onto a journey a journey where we hope to begin to travel that distance, to bridge that distance between what can be, what is meant to be, and what is. When we gather here, we invite each other to do things differently. And when newcomers gather, we, in, we offer them three specific suggestions of how they might journey on the spiritual life with us. Here in the universalist spirit of love and hope, We offer these three suggestions, these three invitations. We invite you to nurture a personal spiritual practice, to find a community within this community, and to act for justice in the world. Now we know that of these three suggestions, some may be more comfortable for you and some may be more uncomfortable. We know that we might not all be able to do all of these things all of the time, and we trust that you will find your way, that each of us will find our own way with each of these suggestions. And certainly we know too that for some of us at certain moments in our lives, these suggestions even in their existence are simply too much for us. The spiritual practice is to lean in, to tell the truth about how we are doing and what we need, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and perhaps even to be carried by the love of this community. We trust that each of us will find our own way with these suggestions, with the development or the nurturing of a personal spiritual practice, with finding our own community within this larger community, with acting for justice in the world. As we move through this month of September, when our worship theme is intention, we're going to invite you to consider each of these three suggestions each week. What might these things look like for you as you engage in this life of the church? What might a personal spiritual practice look like for you? A spiritual practice is, can be anything that is done with regularity and depth and with the intention of connecting with something that is larger than yourself. It could be connecting with the holy, could be connecting with a group of people or with nature. It could be connecting to that still small voice within. A spiritual practice can be anything that you use in order to connect with something larger than yourself or to connect with that still small voice within.
It could be prayer or meditation. It could be yoga or dance, writing or listening or art, walking the dog, gardening, running, reading and reflecting. You choose what works for you. And today, as we move into our offering time, into this time of music and reflection, I'm inviting you to consider what might you continue as your personal spiritual practice, or what might you begin new? What kind of personal spiritual practice might offer you the sustenance and the strength and the balance, the connection you need in order to do your part in removing these boulders that impede the flow of love? Our faith calls us to create a world where we are all known and named and treated as worthy and welcome. A world where the flow of love can move unimpeded and free. Together, I have no doubt, we can remove some of the boulders that block the flow of love. And these spiritual practices can offer us some of the grounding we need to keep on trying. What might that look, for you, look like for you? How might you go about the work of removing some of these boulders that impede the flow of love. Let us ponder these things together. Amen.